Christmas. I'm going to be reading from the Bible for us this morning. And the first reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 28 to 33. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The second reading comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile toward Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. With a scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. 
Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. My name's Stephen, one of the ministers here. Do you know that uh, next year it's going to be 170 years since the Eureka Stockade in Victoria? I uh, thought that was a very Christmassy sort of way to start, but if you thought your December was chaotic, imagine what that would have been like for them in December 100 and 169 years ago this year. But in Victoria there was this pretty serious uprising disgruntled miners, sick of paying too much taxes, sick of heavy-handed policing, rebelled. They, uh, they created their own flag. You can kind of see a depiction of it here. Swore allegiance to it, and then they took their stand. Now, what we uh, saw in that little bit of the Bible that was read for us in Isaiah before is actually, it talks about Christmas a little bit like this, a little bit like the raising of a flag. Now, I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. But it's, it's amazing the way that flags can capture the um, energy, the emotion of a movement, for better or worse. So even now, the, the Eureka flag is a flag that's charged with energy and emotion. You know, now it's not so much rebelling against oppression. Now it's more, you find it flying behind utes of people rebelling for less obvious reasons. But for better or worse, it's still a symbol charged with energy. Some, some flags are, are so negatively charged with energy that you can almost feel it. You know, if I show you the ISIS flag or the Nazi flag, they communicate to us hatred or evil or death. But some flags are the opposite. They, they capture the power of a movement for good. You know, think of the Black Lives Matter flag, which captures the energy of the equality of all people and, and the need to get rid of racism everywhere. Or even think of the Red Cross flag, you know, a flag that, that communicates a message that can turn away bullets or tanks or even bombs. In this part of the Bible that we're looking at today, the coming of Jesus is talked about like a flag that's even more powerfully charged than these flags. And a flag that captures a vision for this world that's even more beautiful than any of these flags. It's a flag that's raised in the mess of this world and yet promises a greater, very different future. A couple of um, Christmases ago, we looked at Isaiah 11 and we focused on the first half of it. So today we're going to focus on the second half of, of that chapter that was read before. So have a look at how the second half starts in verse 10. It starts, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Jesus coming, we see here, is a banner raised before us. Here at church we've been looking at the book of Isaiah. But you might be just with us for today only, for Christmas. So let me just give you a very quick background to what's happening in this book. Isaiah's writing over 700 years before Jesus was even born. 700 years, over 700 years. And he's writing in an extremely tense time in Israel's history. We think, we kind of feel that we live in a, a tense time. And we kind of do in some ways, you know, with climate change and pandemics, and wars at the moment, and democracy being challenged, and even with the rise of technology and AI. But still, I reckon they had it much worse than us. 
the tenth time in history for them was the rise of the world's first real empire, Assyria. Their world was changing so that no longer did they need to just fear their near neighbours, now they needed to fear people from a far-off, foreign, distant land that were bent on ruthlessly dominating the world. You know, your options were you either submitted to Assyria and you were oppressed by paying a kind of tribute that was a crushing burden and you'd surrender your freedoms, your identity, your culture, maybe even be deported from your homeland. Or you could resist them and face having your city attacked and burned, people abused, killed and the survivors enslaved and deported. Now maybe one day ChatGPT will do all that to us, but at this stage I think they have it much worse. And so Isaiah writes into this terrifying context, this terrifying time, with a message from God. Actually... Isaiah has two messages from God. His first message is that if they just turn to God, if they just trust Him, He would keep them safe through this dark time. He'd keep them safe from the Assyrians. That's the first message, but God knew that they wouldn't listen to that message. So He sends Isaiah with a second message at the same time, which is God's message to them is saying, their rejection of him is going to lead to them being cut down like a tree by the Assyrians and by the next empire that would come after the Assyrians. But out of that mess, growing out of that stump, God in his own time was going to grow something beautiful. And in verse 10, the the metaphor shifts, the metaphor changes, and it becomes that instead of from a stump, something beautiful is going to grow... It becomes, in the mess of this world, a banner, a flag is going to be raised. He sees a different future where the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Now, Jesse was the father of Israel's most famous king, David. And David, he represents the glory days, but he also represents the glory days gone wrong. But Isaiah sees a very different kind of king is going to come. Still of the same rootstock as David, but a king who's very different to every other failed leader. Now this is Isaiah, he's seeing Jesus, Jesus, a descendant of David. He's seeing Jesus is going to be a king like a powerful flag raised in the midst of a fallen world. And in this passage, we see three things that Jesus stands for. So first of all, we see that Jesus stands in the midst of this world as a banner for all peoples. Jesus signals that God stands for all. So look again where we see this in verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. You know, I was surprised at the Eureka Stockade. It's estimated that over 10,000 people swore allegiance to the Eureka flag. And that's like um, 5% of Victoria's population at the time. So I was thinking about it, that would be like 90,000 South Australians taking up a gun and forming a barricade on North Terrace outside Parliament House and rebelling against the government. It's huge, really. But it's nothing compared to what Isaiah sees going on here. Isaiah, he looks beyond the failures of the kings of his time 
And he sees a king who will rally not just one nation against another nation. He sees a king who will rally the world to his side. And what Isaiah sees here is exactly what we see Jesus doing in this world today. Jesus is a king who rallies not just Jews, not just Europeans or, or Westerners. He's a king who brings people from every nation, tribe and language. In Africa, in, in South America, huge numbers have rallied to Jesus. In China even, more people have rallied to Jesus than there are people in all of Australia. Even in extremely hostile nations like Iran and Afghanistan, there people rally to Jesus. He captures the nations to his cause, but not with brutality and force, but he captures the hearts of people because he stands for all people. And this brings us to the next thing that Jesus stands for here. Jesus stands in the midst of this world as a, a banner for a better future. It's our next, next thing that we see. Jesus coming signals that God stands for a better future. Now the whole book of Isaiah paints that picture, but here we get just a taste of it in verse 10. We see, in that day the, rest, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Now, this isn't talking about his resting place like a tomb. This is talking about the kind of kingdom that he's building. His kingdom will be a place of rest. His kingdom will be even better than the glory days of the past. Jesus' vision for this world is, is to make this a place of lasting peace and lasting beauty, not a, not a place of destruction like the Assyrian Empire, not a place of greed and selfishness and loneliness like we see in many of the empires today. Jesus is bringing a very different way of existing in this world, a way of unending peace, a way of meaning and joy and life, and he stands as a banner to that. And this brings us to the third thing that we see that Jesus stands for here. Jesus stands in the mess of this world as a banner for second chances. Jesus coming signals that God stands for second chances. Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought, I don't really like second chances in a way, because I feel like I, I, I always seem to let people down in threes. It's a bit superstitious, I know, but when I get a second chance, I sort of think, oh, great, there's two more times I'm going to let them down. I feel the pressure. But this kind of second chance that... that Jesus stands for is not like that. What he stands for is a second chance that can't fail. Because it's a second chance that, that's not dependent on anyone but Jesus himself. Look at where we see this second chance in, in verse 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people. In the past, God claimed his, his people out of slavery in Egypt. But this time it's going to be different. In the past, they were supposed to be a banner in the world, those people. They were supposed to take God's peace and his glory to the ends of the earth. But they failed miserably. But this time it's going to be different. Because this time, it depends only on Jesus. They're not the flag raised in this world. We're not the flag. Now the flag is this coming king, 
Jesus and what he's bringing to this world can't be threatened by them or by you or by me or by anyone. So that's, that's the message we see here in that second half of chapter 11 in Isaiah. That's the message that Isaiah is telling us that, that Christmas sends us. But have we understood what it means for us? The other day I had a, um, a smoke detector going off in my house. It, you know, it wasn't the usual chirping that seems to start only ever in the middle of the night for some reason. This, this was full on going off. And so it came out, there was no smoke anywhere, so I, I changed the battery. It was going off again. My ears were ringing from it, so I had to change the whole thing. But there was just no way to ignore it. My um, brother-in-law was telling me a couple of Christmases ago, he had a smoke detector go off on Christmas night. And so he came downstairs reassuring as he's his kids as he went, that everything was fine, that it was nothing. But then when he got to the dining room, he found that someone had left a candle going and it was a candle in a coconut shell. So it had burnt down, set the coconut shell alight and then set the whole table alight and the flames were reaching to the ceiling. He was incredibly lucky that a smoke detector is a signal that you just can't ignore even when you want to. Jesus is, is a signal like that from God. He's a, he's a flag raised in the world that can't be ignored. We should realize that to ignore him, according to this picture that's created here in Isaiah, is actually not to ignore him. It's to defy him. The way God sees it is that Jesus' coming is such a clear signal to us that we either stand with him and stand with his vision for this world of peace and truth and justice and beauty, or we stand against him. That's what Isaiah's message means. That's, that's what he says the meaning of Christmas is. Jesus coming, it asks us, are we going to rally to him? Are you? I read a book uh, recently called The Air We Breathe. And it makes in this book an incredibly strong case that some of the things that we hold dearest in our culture, some of the most sacred flags that we fly, they actually come to us without a doubt from Jesus. So the book claims that we can attribute to Jesus and the movement that he started the way we value equality, compassion, consent, Enlightenment, science, freedom, and progress. And my point is, Jesus has already changed our world so that we now take all those things for granted as if they're kind of self-evident. But they are not self-evident. They were not self-evident before Jesus came. They are just some of the ways that Jesus is rallying this world to his rest and his glory. But you know what I find truly awe-inspiring? What I find truly amazing is that we've barely even tasted the beginning of what Jesus intends to bring to this world. We've barely even tasted the glorious resting place that this world will be when he returns and properly rules this world. You know, what other what other 
flags we might want to raise in our lives and rally to. Money, or power, or pleasure, or even family. They just can't compare to the vision that Jesus offers. And whatever other flags that we've tried and been let down by, Jesus offers us a second chance to swear allegiance to someone who won't let us down. This Christmas, are you rallying to to what the first Christmas signals? This is a very different kind of king, a very different kind of empire that he brings. A king come not with an army of warriors, a king come with an army of angels singing peace on earth on whom his favor, favor rests. A king come not to prove his own glory, but a king come leaving his own glory to bring this world to true glory. And a king come not to capture us to his vision with brute force, threatening death, but a king who captures us by offering his own death in our place for our rebellion against God. So let me ask you one last time what Christmas asks every one of us. Are you going to stand with this king or are you going to stand against him? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the amazing truth that Christmas is, the flag, the banner in this world that it is that a king has come and that with him comes an empire completely different to every other kingdom, country, nation or rule in this world, a kingdom of lasting rest, a kingdom of of what's truly glorious. Lord, help us to see that with this king comes a choice for us as to whether we rally with him or rally against him. We pray, Lord, that would be something that goes on in our minds and hearts and lives, something we consider. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to rally with this King and know this rest and this glory with you for all eternity. Amen.